going on, everybody? Hope everybody had a good Christmas weekend. This is another episode of the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. I'm your host, Junkyard James, and next to me is my guy, K-Dog. K-Dog, how was your holiday weekend? Oh man, sir. Um it, it it was okay. It was okay. Went by too quickly. Um I agree. Yeah. Um other than that, it went it went pretty well. Um uh, gonna kind of under the weather a little bit. Uh we're we're in live and living color and uh this small we are here and uh should be a very, very interesting episode that we are about to do tonight. I hope everyone well plays north south in the west how are you doing and how was your holiday season as you can see el pedro down there in the bottom walking about how was your holiday weekend i agree with you it was really it was really fast i wish it lasted a lot longer um yeah it was it was good good times to just hang out with with some family there um but we got some business to talk to, talk about to this weekend is AEW World's End. It feels like this is the 800th pay-per-view AEW has broadcasted this year <laughs> in the last six months. But we're here again. We're at it with another pay-per-view. But before we dive into that, let's just take the opportunity to mention Junkyard Media Group dot com <clears throat> that's where you can find the audio version of not only this podcast but the slap and meat wrestling podcast produced by our good friend we too deep 413 and starting in 2024 we will hopefully get going on the written opinion pieces on that website, it's been a busy holiday season, so we're kind of, kind of slow and slow and steady on that. We'll, we'll, we'll get going forward in 2024 on that. But junkyardmediagroup.com, you can find all of our links to the Facebook page, the Twitter page, the Discord, uh, the YouTube page. I think it's all on there. Um, and eventually, at some point, we're hoping maybe to put a merch store or something linked linked to that website as well. Big things coming in 2024. This is the last episode of the 2023 year. This year has gone by really fast. But with that being said, let's get going. Let's talk about World's End. We're going we're gonna to pop up each match, uh, match by match, as we get going here. We'll start with the pre-show match. I'm sorry, a zero-hour match. This is not WWE. This is... AEW. <laughs> this is zero hour FTW championship match between Taz's boy Hook and Wheeler Yuta. This is a pretty intriguing match that I kind of honestly wish was on the main card. What do you think about this match, my friend? So, um, this should be an interesting match. Um, 
I don't feel like this one, I mean, not every match on, on, on a pay-per-view card is probably going to have that in-depth storytelling that you would hope to have. But, uh, um, you know, Hook has really lost his steam after about 2021 and going into 2022. Um, the FTW belt really doesn't mean much as a championship. It's just uh, just a belt. It doesn't really have any, any real big meaning to it, I think. But uh, I'd rather wish this was for the ROH pure title that Wheeler Yuta has. Um, have a little more prestige, give a little more oomph to it. But um, should be a fun match. Uh, good way both these guys can uh, entertain the audience and get the crowd going. So should be a, a um, pretty good way to kick off the uh, zero hour. Yeah, I agree. And I think act, I think this match came about because um, Wheeler Yuta defended the ROH Pure uh, Championship against Hook at uh, their last ROH's last pay-per-view uh, final battle um, in which Wheeler Yuta won that match. I think uh, at that point, that's why this match came about, if I can remember correctly. I agree. I, I, Hook's kind of lost a lot of steam. Um here recently, he's just kind of been plugged into different groups and tag teams and things. And Wheeler Yuta's kind of that uh, workhorse guy from the Blackpool Combat Club. This is interesting. Uh, interesting that Wheeler Yuta's in this match, not fighting with his BCC companions in the match that was just announced a little about an hour or so ago. Um, we'll, we'll break that one down here in just a moment. Um, I guess it point. I'm not sure why he's not with rest members of the Blackpool Combat Club either, but it's what it is, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess I guess we can do uh, predictions on win losses if you want to. I don't have anything to write it down, so but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll go through it. I think Hook retains. Like you said, the FTW belt doesn't really mean anything, so it would it wouldn't really advance Wheeler Yuta's position in the company if he won it. I think this is just a good pre-show match, and Hook gets a W. Yeah, um, quick impromptu into the uh, plans here. I uh, just happened to pick up a notebook, so I can write this all down and make it a little more official. Maybe we can come up with a graphic uh, for next week's show and make it a little more prestige, if you know what I'm saying, brother. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Hook as well. Um, should be a fun match. Not much going on as far as why I feel like the uh, story should be progressing or not progressing, but I think Hook wins. Absolutely. And then there is one more zero-hour match that is on the show, and that is the... 20-man battle royal for a shot at the TNT title anytime, anywhere. AEW has been really good here with their um, gimmicky kind of battle royal style matches. Um, you can think of like the casino battle royal or some something like that. This, this to me, just kind of looks like a Royal Rumble-esque style battle royal, 20-man, over-the-top rope. From what I understand, that's what it is. Um, this should be fun, and it gives some people um, who may not get a lot of time on 
the on a pay-per-view at least a couple minutes to debut themselves show some people some part of the roster um i would assume this is this is where we get some debuts from some of those uh w x wwe stars who um whose 90 days have just recently ended which is why I am a big proponent that this should have been on the main card as well um, because this is a good time filler in the middle of the show somewhere and they're going to put it on zero hour. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where this is. There's a story behind it. You're number one contender for the TNT belt. Um, so uh, it's going to be an interesting battle royal, but on the on zero hour, it's – it's uh, I think it's out of place on the card. Um, and especially if they're going to have either a debut, return, something like that, have somebody pretty notable win, especially for a title shot. You would think that this would be on the main card, but at the same time, this is a good way to get people engaged, and especially that this is going to be on on free uh, streaming platform, YouTube X. So I mean, it's a good way to get people engaged and, and to give people something good watch on the pre-show and not just, you know, filler time with that's nobody knows, cares, um, or just a bunch of promos, interviews, and, and set up um, pre-show style. So um, I think it'll be a fun little match there. Um, do we have any predictions on who we think will, will win the match? I have a prediction. It's probably going to be wrong because we don't know who's who's in it. We haven't – I don't see any kind of right. list anywhere, uh, but I have, a, I have two people who I think could win. I'm going to go Nick Wayne. And I was actually th- going to consider putting him as one of my people. Um, that's an interesting. And, and, and I'll give a little bit of backstory on that. It, and maybe I'll give way of where I think the, um, the TNT title match later on in the show goes. But I, I think this is an opportunity here. You push, you put Nick Wayne as the number one contender and then you rip the belt from Christian Cage. And now Christian Cage can exact his revenge and his prodigy on the guy that took the belt from him. I think you can build a story from that. Um, again, we don't know who's in it. I don't know if Nick Wayne's even going to be in the match. Um, I'm going to go Nick Wayne. Yeah, that's that's a good one for sure. And that definitely makes sense from a storytelling perspective on why you would um... – it has a preface for, for continuing the storyline down the road. I'm going to go a little bit of the opposite for that. So the person that I wrote down that I think will win, and I did give a or, but I, I wrote down this name first, so I'm going to do it, is Killswitch, a.k.a. Luchasaurus. Yeah. And I think Christian retains the TNT title, and it's a good way for maybe Luchasaurus to get a singles run and uh, maybe win the belt. My or is a returning Jack Perry. Jack Perry. I was going to say, even if they had Killswitch win it, you can have Jack Perry in some place of that storyline as well, especially with the rumors that he uh, trademarked a couple of different trademarks here recently. So that that, that could be a good pick there. Uh, Let's answer this question that I found in the chat. Is this the one where everyone starts in the ring or every couple minutes? I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think they've decided if if they're all. I I hope that I, all 20 people aren't in the ring. At the same I would time. assume that they're gonna save a couple of the entrances for the bigger guys, 
but I would assume that this is going to be where everybody's in the ring at once, especially if the pre-show is 30 and you have the hook match before. Hook match right. is probably going to go 10, 12 minutes, and then they're going to do a couple little things and then maybe save the last 15, 12, 15 minutes for this battle royal. Um, I would imagine most of all the competitors are going to be in the ring at once. They may do a couple of the bigger ones, uh, bigger guys for the entrances, but that's not going to be in every couple minutes thing. That is fair. Let's uh, let's see. What match do we want to talk about next? Let's go with the match that was just made official just a few hours ago. Tony Khan tweeted that this match right here, if I can find it, I know I have it up the graphic somewhere. Where to go? There it is. <clears throat> This is live. Things happen. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> we have Claudio Castagnoli, Brian Danielson, Mark Briscoe, and Daniel Garcia fighting Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Um, if there's one thing that is to be seen here, these are the other eight guys that didn't advance to the finals of the Continental Classic. Um I don't know what to think about this match. It's some weird pairings here. I think this is a way to get a couple different new stories to be built. Um, I'm increasingly in, intrigued in Daniel Garcia tag teaming with Brian Danielson. I think this is a good way to kind of uh, pull a whole 360 on the original storyline with Daniel Garcia and Danielson, where he uh, picked Jericho over Danielson. Maybe there's some contempt there with them, or maybe he, at the end of this match, joins the Blackpool Combat Club. This is just an interesting match that I feel like was put together last minute to fill some time on the card um, and get some of these bigger guys um, on the show. It's weird, like Brody King is has no allegiance to any of these other guys uh, that he's team, teaming with. Same thing with like Mark Briscoe. Rouge, any of them. It's just kind of a weird tag team um, match that Tony Khan's just throwing out there for us. But it, uh, all eight of these wrestlers are really intriguing wrestlers. This is probably going to be a really good match. Um, what say you, my friend? This match should be on the pre-show, and that Battle Royal should take the place of it. Um, it's going to be kind of a cluster. Everybody's just going to get, get their spots in. Um, that's mainly what these eight-man, six-man tags do. They just most of the time are big spot fest where people flip and get all their stuff in. Um, I, I think it'll be a very entertaining match this to may kick off the show. Um, I, I feel like AEW does a good job with getting a, a, a uh, action-packed match to kick off their show to get a crowd into it. Um, I think the crowd will be a, a very good crowd in Long Island um, anyways, but this would be a, a good way to kick off the pay-per-view. Um I think that the team of Claudio, Brian, Garcia, and Briscoe wins. Um, like I said, there could be a couple of stories that you might be able to build either for within that group or within both groups. Um, it's an odd two tag teams or two teams, but um, it does make sense with kind of the uh, the rest of the Continental Classic guys that can get into the tournament or, you know, didn't get into the finals um, that already don't have a match on the card. Good way to get them involved, too. Yeah, that's my prediction. On the uh, on the old match on that one, yeah, I'm, I'm also gonna go with the Blackpool Combat Club plus 
uh, Mark Briscoe, essentially is all that is. Um, they're going to win that match. Uh, pretty. I, I, it's going to be a good spot fest, like you said. It's weird because you have on the one side, like, all four other guys, uh, Jay White, uh, Jay Lethal, Brody King, and Roosh, they all have stables outside of this match. So I'm wondering what LFI does, if if um, the guns show up in any sort of way, um, what happens with Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh and all of those people, if they play any role in, in that match. I agree with you. They should have probably swapped mm-hmm. places with the battle royal on the on the zero hour card. We're pushing along here pretty quickly. There's eleven matches that we have to talk about. Tony Khan stacks these pay per views full with a lot of action here. We'll go with the match of Andrade El Idolo versus Miro. This is going to be a really good match, a really good technical bout. I, I like where this is going. Um, first off, I hope that uh, C.J. Perry is resting up and recovering well from whatever the hell was going on with her infection that she had in her finger. Hopefully all is well. I doubt she makes some any appearance in this match. I think it would be great if she did. Obviously, she's the one that supposedly... Managing Andrade. Um, and Miro's here. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know who's going to win this match. This is, again, ki- I kind of feel like a match that was kind of thrown together last minute just to fill time on the card, in my opinion. Um, but if I had to pick someone to win, I'm going to pick Miro. I think he has better momentum leading into this pay per view. Um, so, yeah, give me Miro. Um, yeah, I am, um, sorry. I'm glad this match is on the, on the card. I feel like this was building towards the card, but the CJ injury kind of paused it and kind of pumped the brakes on it for a bit. Um, and, and I think maybe they just, I don't know why they delayed in announcing this, but I think this was leading to this match between the, the CJ Perry client stuff and the Miro involvement. I feel like this was leading to it and it just finally got put together um, I do think maybe CJ makes an appearance of some sort. Um, if she's up for it, I think that she, she'll be there. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this match. I think this will be a very, very, very good match. Uh, these two guys deserve to be on TV. They're they're over with the crowd. They are really good character work-wise, really good in the ring. Um, be nice to see these guys on Dynamite more so than Collision so they can kind of get more eyes on their on their uh, – on their work, and hopefully um, these guys can get a better run going here soon. Um, yeah, looking forward to this match. I am going to go with Andrade to win this match. And I think that's where the CJ Perry involvement comes in, maybe. Um, I can see it the other way around, where Miro and TJ, you know, kind of get back together, and that was more of a ploy for CJ to uh, lead people on and then turn their back on them. But I think that maybe this kind of advances the storyline a little bit more with this. I think Andrade gets the win here. This should be a really good match. I agree with you on that one. Let's move on. Would you predict? I'm sorry. Oh, I had Miro winning. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, I could see, I, I could see where you're going with Andrade and CJ May, even if she's not there present if she was capable of 
doing something like backstage, some sort of vignette to distract Miro. I could see where that goes. Um, let's go on to this next match here, the TBS championship match between Julia Hart and Abaddon. And before we talk about this match, I think ESPN ranked Julia Hart as the um, most improved female wrestler or breakout star or breakout female wrestler of 2023. Uh, So congratulations to Julia Hart. She really has come a long way since she was cheerleading for uh, the now known as Lexus King and NXT. Uh, And that gimmick just didn't work. Um, Just like his gimmick doesn't work in NXT. Um, But uh, (laughs) um, yeah, we're going to go Julia Hart versus Abaddon here. I don't really know if there's a whole lot of storyline behind this match. I know Julia Hart and Abaddon and Sky Blue and Thunder Rosa have kind of been uh, kind of been fighting the last couple of weeks here. Um, but we get a TBS championship match, and, and Abaddon finally gets some TV time. I don't, look, we talked about it last week that we want to get some of these women, newer women um, – some of the new uh, people uh, time on the show and like Abaddon's put in the work. She, she looks pretty good in the ring. I don't see her winning this match though. I think she was kind of pushed into this storyline because Julia Hart has this like dark Gothic image and she's kind of in the same light, but I see Julia Hart winning this match. Um, maybe with some interference from sky blue, um, but, uh, yeah, Abaddon, enjoy your time on TV the last couple of weeks, and we'll see you back on Ring of Honor starting next TV taping. Um, and uh, Julia Hart gets a big win here. I think this is big into her progression um, as uh, one of the top females in the company. Um, and hopefully it, we see a development on where she takes the TBS title. Um my question on this match, and I don't know if they announced it um, during Dynamite last night, is this like house rules match, or is this just a basic three three count normal one on one match? I haven't heard the the house rules at all. I'm gonna say no. But I could be wrong. Sometimes they don't announce that until literally the moment that they announced the you know the match in the competitors in the ring but i don't think it is at least at this point that is yet to be determined uh, come a couple days from now on saturday <clears throat> um it's good to see abaddon get the tv time like you said i think that she's a, a very intriguing character and i feel like she should be on tv more whether that's a warner brother discovery thing that they are not allowing it or I'm not going to say that there's no room for her because there's always room for some character like this on TV. There's always room for women's division in general, and they're just not getting it. Um, And I think that the storyline going into this match, it's been there. There is a storyline behind this match. It's just kind of broken up a little bit. It it seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect because Abaddon doesn't talk and Julia doesn't really talk a whole lot except for a little bit. Um, so it's kind of a disconnect on, on on that front. And, you know, the one thing that sometimes can be a little bit confusing is is who's a baby face and who is a heel mm-hmm. going into a match. I guess Abaddon has been portrayed as a face going into this match, but she is a heel character true and through. Um, mm-hmm. Julia is a heel character at this point, so it's it's kind of clear as far as what her character is. But 
AEW does this a lot with the whole face face heel heel tactic. Um, so I think it'll be a good match. Like you said, it, it definitely is the progression of Julia Hart, um, and it's a good way for Abaddon to uh, be on a pay per view, showcase her skills, and um, hopefully give Tony Khan more of a a bump to say, "Hey, listen, we need to put obviously more thought process into the women's storylines." But also put more women's segments, matches, promos, all that stuff on TV too. Who uh, agree with you? It's going to be Julie Hart that does get a W here, um, and, and by way of interference, something like that for sure. Yeah, I, I think another reason that makes this storyline a little bit confusing is the fact that while Julia Hart and Sky Blue were kind of, kind of a tag team, they really haven't announced them as like. Like Sky Blue hasn't officially joined House of Black, or they haven't really been announced as like some sort of tag team stable, um, in, in any way, shape, or form. They're just kind of acquaintances, um, and I really wish that they could make it well known. Like, what's the intention? Is Sky Blue just playing along and playing Julia Hart, um, and eventually leading to her turn on Julia Hart, or? Are they a legitimate tag team? Um, I think they would work well together as a tag team, especially if Tony Khan wants to put women's tag team belts, which is there's a rumor that he is considering it. Um, Given the fact that he hasn't really treated the women's division all that well recently and at all through the company, I don't know how long it'll be before he puts the tag team belts out there. There's not a whole lot of female tag teams. um, So I don't know if it's like, an actual thing or just a rumor on the internet, but hope it's a rumor because there's way too many belts as is in AEW. Um, and again, you don't give the women so much time in general, so mm-hmm. not right. really a point to make another title for them when there's going to be no time or very little penny for them. So, correct. Yeah, I agree with that there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where that that match goes. Um, I'm not calling this match of the night. Julia is good. Abaddon has worked, all, from what I could tell, worked really hard on her in-ring work and her physique and everything to get her character built well. Um, but it's probably going to be one of the mid-card, mid-matches that we really won't have a whole lot to talk about here. Where is the match I want to talk about next? This is the match off-screen that in my group chat with with you and one of our coworkers that I predicted last week as being a real thing, and y'all said I was crazy for it. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland finished the story that we've been waiting like a year for them to finish. And and so what's the story here? Um, about a year ago, Swerve Strickland. Uh, put a uh, uh, cinder block through the chest of Keith Lee with the Parker Boudreaux and that tattooed motherfucker that nobody has seen in quite a while. Tattoo face. Uh, and tattoo face. Yeah, the former MLB pitcher for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays uh, that obviously wasn't good enough at baseball and not good enough at pro wrestling. Um, but anyways... <laughs> It led to Keith Lee being out for quite a while, and we were wondering, are we ever going to get the conclusion of the story? Well, yes, you just had to wait a year, and Keith Lee going through several gimmick changes and Swerve Strickland joining several different factions before we got back to completing the story. 
Um, but I think this match is going to be one of the best matches of the night, in my opinion. Swerve Strickland is one of the most entertaining wrestlers in AEW. And Keith Lee can still work. He's not in his prime. He's past his prime. He's not as good as he once was. But they're going to put on a good match. And this New York crowd's going to keep us interested in the match. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a an underrated match going into it with, with ultimately Swerve Strickland getting over on his boy, Keith Lee. And Keith Lee is going to have to find another avenue. He will not be good enough to beat Swerve Strickland. Um, and uh, that's how I'm going to call this match. What do you think? Yeah. Um, before, before I get to that, there's a comment in here from DJ Wavy D. We'll get to that comment when we bring up, when we talk about the Riho Tony Storm match. It's a good comment, good question. I think I just happened to see it after we had put up the, the next graphic for the match. Um, yeah, yeah for this match here. Too, but so we, uh... um, good, good, good question. We could definitely talk about it. Um, I'm highly pissed. Um, because I feel like this is, I mean, this is a year too late. Uh, why couldn't we do this a revolution this past year? Why could we do it a double or nothing? Forbidden door, all in, all out, wrestle dream, full gear. I mean, there's been so many opportunities that we could have done this earlier. And I know that Swerve has had a, a, a rocket ship strapped to the back and, and he's been on a very good up, uh, um, incline of, of a push. Keith Lee hasn't done nothing. nothing. Um, and all of a sudden, we just get this random match after Swerve loses in the finals of the Gold League on Dynamite, which pissed me off. Um, I, I hate this match. I I, I don't know. I, I, I am so frustrated at Tony Khan's booking when it comes to what happened with the Continental Classic. Um and, and I hate to say that because the matches have been great. I know that the storyline between Moxley and Eddie Kingston, we'll get to it here in a, in a little bit sense. But, man, you are – when you have a guy that's on an incline, you continue to ride with him. You just don't push and then stop and then start and then stop. Or wins this. What does it do for his character? I mean, Keith Lee, it's not like it's, it's a huge win over a main event guy like Kenny Omega or – um, Hangman Adam Page, uh, which already did, but you know, to me, it's just there's not much more about this, and this story should have been finished months ago, and it hasn't. Um, and I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that comment about where Keith Lee should be, and he's not. Um, people make their own decisions, and they feel they do what's best for them, and, and Keith Lee is a good competitor, losing weight or not losing weight, he, he is now. Yes. Does losing weight look better on TV? Sure. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how much of a much of a thought process behind that. Maybe this is another kink in the chain for, for Keith Lee of, hey, you know, this is this is where you're at and this is all you're good for type of thing. Um, sort of wins. Um, it's good to see another win under his belt, I think, if he wins, which he should. But, man, uh, not a good way to end the year. For, for Swerve, but um, a win going into the new year does help, and um, it doesn't hurt him to win. But he, to me, there was there was a much better, much better angle going about this, and hopefully, he gets that going in twenty twenty four. 
so let me play devil's advocate to to your idea about Swerve losing being a bad thing. I, I think Swerve is either next in line or second to next in line for the AEW World Championship. Having him win the Continental Classic would have been great for him in the short term, but if in the long term, what good is it if you have him be the face of ROH? He's the ROH World Champion. He's the New Japan Strong Champion, and then he's some mid-card uh, Continental Champion for for AEW. You cripple his push towards the top of AEW by pushing him into these kind of mid-level championships. Because let's just be honest, the ROH World Champion is not that big of a belt in the grand scheme of things. Um, So I get it. Yes, Swerve Strickland is, he's on this really fast meteoric rise to the top. I think this would have crippled him long-term. And because he would have had to lose multiple matches to drop those belts to get to the point to where, unless you're going to redo the Kenny Omega storyline of him him, swerve being the belt collector which has already been done before so i understand it and i kind of agree that swerve was should have been favored to win this the tournament but the direction that they're going in i think makes a lot of sense given the fact that there's a new japan and a ring of honor title on the line you're going to you're you're going to give it to a guy that knows the new japan style very well which Moxley and uh, Kingston do, and are over in that market. Swerve hasn't been over in Japan in I don't know how long, if ever. Kingston is over as hell in Japan. Moxley's over as hell in Japan. I understand from a, a booking perspective why they went that direction. So I disagree that it would cripple his run. It wouldn't. It would enhance it. He's a triple crown champion, and that's that's what this whole thing has been turned into is the modern day triple crown. Are they prestigious belts in the world? No, but they are. We don't talk about when Ultimo Dragon was a belt collector for fifteen thousand titles back in the nineties. Um, what the prestige level was on it? It was the fact that he had so many belts, and he was one of the most over wrestlers in the mid to late nineties. Um, mainly appearing for WCW um, and uh, for, for DJ's comments. So they're not turning three belts into one specific belt. It's, it's called a triple crown, but they're all, they're different belts for those things. Right. It's like when Kenny was the AEW world title, impact world champion, triple separate belts for the companies, but he holds them all. Um, but, you know, and there's plenty of different ways you can book yourself out of that. I think needs to win a mid-card title first before he gets the world title. Anyways, sometimes I feel like when people go and they get this meteoric push and they just go for the world title, you don't know how that person's going to be as a champion. Draw, not draw, how they carry themselves, how their promos are. Because most of the time people love to chase versus the actual champion. So let him get a feel for it by winning the international title or the TNT title first. Let's see how he does with that. And then we start pushing him towards the world title. It's the same thing Vince McMahon used to do back in the 90s with the Intercontinental title. That was the second biggest title in the promotion. Most of the time when you won that title, you're on your way up to get the world championship. Macho Man, Randy Savage, Bret Hart, um, Steve Austin, The Rock, you know, so many guys, Triple H. All these guys were the Intercontinental champions first and then went to the world title. It's not always the case. It's not always going to happen. 
but it was a good way to say, hey, you know what? This guy's working really hard. He deserves it. He's getting a good push. Let's see what he this title first before we just put him, you know, with the big strap or the big gold. Um, and the simple way to book this is if Swerve were to win all three titles, I get he's never been to Japan before, but hey, it's New Japan. I feel like when you when you have a guy that's on a uh, big rise and is a notable star in another company come over there, it draws money, in my opinion, for sure, because it gets the American audience to view into their their programming. Um, I've seen enough of Moxley, seen enough of Kingston in New Japan that it doesn't draw me to go there, unless it's just a match that I cannot, must not, or I have to. I have, it's must see. Swerve is like a whole new you know kink in the chain, and I've already used that pun before, but it's true that if, if Swerve were to go over there, now I'm in tune to what New Japan's doing. I want to see what happens with them. ROH, it's a lost cause anyways. I'm not watching it, uh, so that doesn't matter to me. But a good way to get Swerve to lose these belts is to kind of do what Samoa Joe did with the world, uh, with the TV title from ROH. Turn the belt in, say, you know what? Um, I've had enough of this Triple Crown stuff. It's not getting me to where I want to be. Where I want to be is the world title. I'm turning all three of these championships in as my world. That's, you know, that's, that's like a Memphis thing. Uh, back in the territory days, that was a TNA thing when they had their Destination Next pay-per-view and they had the exhibition title. If you won the exhibition title, that next episode of Impact, you can either say, I'm holding on to it and I'm going to carry this belt, or, hey, you know what? I want to turn this in as like a Money in the Bank thing. I'm turning in this championship for my opportunity for the world title. If I lose, I lose both belts. If I win, I have two belts, or I have one belt because I turned in the exhibition. So I feel like that's what Swerve could do with the Triple Crown if he were in it. Um, or, hell, he can go to the finals and at least lose in the finals, and we can say, hey, at least he made it to the finals. Um, another thing to have in his thing. I made it to the finals of this. Yeah, I came up short, but you know what? I still went and made it all the way to the finals against some of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, but that's just me. Um, I see where you're coming from. I, I, I understand it. Um, I just don't think it would cripple his his run. Um, we've talked a lot about just this match in general, and it's a mini card match, so there you go. We're talking a lot about Swarm, which is a good thing. So while we're talking about it, let's just talk about the finals of the Continental Classic. John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. And again, I told you off the record that I – I think when they announced the the brackets, I said at that point in time that it was going to be John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston in my final, and and this was this is my um, my reasoning behind that. They when they I knew Eddie was going to be in the finals when he put all all his championships on the line. You're not letting Eddie Kingston lose his belts without him going to the finals. Um, And so, again, there's a New Japan title on the line. So I think New Japan's leadership team has some say in who gets the overall push um, for this match. Moxley, again, he is just so big in AEW and in New Japan that it just makes sense. And there's a storyline as Moxley and Kingston have just kind of over the past year or so just been constantly just kind of at odds with each other. I think this is a good way as well to push forward to Wrestle Kingdom. And this is my my reasoning why. John Moxley has a match at Wrestle Kingdom. He is in a triple threat match with uh, David Finley 
and Will Ospreay to crown. Uh, it used to be the New Japan United States champion, but they changed the name of it. Um, I can't remember what the new name is called, but they're an, it's a new inaugural crowning of this championship. I think this is a good way for one. I think Eddie Kingston one's going to win the whole thing. This is the Eddie Kingston triumph triumphs. He was down. He lost his first two matches in the Continental Classic, and then he goes on this big winning streak. He's the underdog guy. He put both of his titles on the line through hell and high water to win the entire tournament. This is also a good way to get Will Ospreay involved. I think he has some sort of interference with Moxley to lead up to Wrestle Kingdom in their match. Sets that match up there. And Kingston then, after retaining this title, announces that he will um, put the New Japan Strong title on the line at Wrestle Kingdom and some sort of open challenge and allow some New Japan guy that doesn't have a match to fight him for that match. That's where I think this is leading. I think that's exactly what the Continental Classic was and it created to do was at some point in time build towards Wrestle Kingdom because I still think that New Japan and um, and AEW has a very strong working relationship with with each other and New Japan says, hey, let's put your boy Eddie in this tournament and they show why he's such a over champion, not only in AEW, but in Japan. He is over as hell in Japan. Every match that he goes to fight in New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan or over here, he is over as hell. I think Eddie Kingston wins the tournament, wins all three belts. And uh, he can he can be the face of ROH, this the gritty old ROH style. He can be the the face of New Japan Strong, and he can be the face of this new kind of mid card Continental Title, um, which I assume is just he's just going to defend it um, against a bunch of different random indie promotions across the the globe, um, and. That's my take on it. What's your thoughts on it, my friend? First of all, I, I don't like the fact that they don't have the ROH title on Kingston's other shoulder in this match graphic. They just have a New Japan one. My new details, but that's just me, um, since he's a holder for both those titles currently. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of figured that Kingston would be in the finals of this tournament. I like the way that they made him be in a deficit early in the tournament and then worked his way up and then ultimately won against um, Danielson on Wednesday night, last night, and then um, got to the final. Um, I agree, you know, there's no way that you can't. I mean, you could, but, you know, they had to let the guy who held two of those three titles be in the final and at least defend it. So I'm okay with that. And that's why I said I'm pissed off about the Swerve thing because I feel like this this is a good opportunity to still keep him at a, a push even if he loses in the finals. Um, because I just feel like Moxley, I, I understand he's your workhorse. He has done so much for the company, but I feel like, man, we don't need him. We didn't need him in this finals. A Swerve Kingston match would have been perfect because this is for the AEW audience. If this was in a New Japan territory, this is a perfect matchup. I totally get it. But in AEW world, even though it's technically for three different titles, one of them is a New Japan top it's still an eight under the AEW umbrella. So it's an AEW audience. That's why I feel swerve would have been fine in this match anyways. Um, 
But I think Eddie does win here. Uh, Moxley's in that triple threat, like you mentioned, at Russell Kingdom, which I'm glad it's only one night instead of two this year, or so many to take notes. Um, um, I don't know. I, I feel WrestleMania is just way too big to be one night now anyway, so I can understand that. But oh, the IWGP Global Heavyweight Championship now, uh, that's what they, these three will be fighting for at Russell Kingdom, so I think it makes no sense that Moxley wins this match and then has to probably either defend that title on January 4th or um, the next day in New Year's Dash. Um, and I'm sure Eddie's going to be defending that in some capacity. It would be cool if they did a global championship as a way to add different territories and different countries. Although I feel the international title should be in the same caliber, but uh, it is what it is. I know it's going to be a fun match. It does it does kind of finish the storyline that happened a year ago? That's why I'm not so I'm not so upset with it because there there has this has been a long building storyline for this year, so it does make sense. And I and I give kudos to Tony Khan for doing that. Um, I just hate the fact that Swerve's not in it because it should be. Um, yeah, I do think Kingston wins it and wins the triple crown Saturday night. Well, regardless of how it ends. I think it's bound to be a really, really damn good match. Um, you're going to see a lot of strong style uh, military chops. This is not for the WWE audience. You're going to get a lot of no cells and a lot of probably going to see bleeding. Who knows? Yeah, Mox is going to bleed. Um, that's just a given at this point. Um, let's go to a match. Before you if get to any that, on- like DJ. Had a comment asked if um, if that title match is a downgrade for Lee. I don't think so. Um, it's in a prominent feud with Kingston, something that they've been building to for the past year. It's got three different title belts on the line, and I think Moxley is a work guy that um, Tony Khan was going to give him a, a, a featured role match storyline going to any pay per view, and it's just another. Another thing for him to do and say, I got this under my belt, I've done this. So I don't think it's a downgrade for Moxley. My question about Moxley, did he ever take that vacation he was planning on taking before CM Punk decided to show his ass? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, uh, Mox, you can take that vacation anytime you want. Uh, Regardless, so my final final thoughts on the Continental Classic is so that this has really helped the ratings for uh, the TV programming of Collision and Dynamite. Um, I and agree with that. I have said before, and I will repeat that this is AEW's strong suit. Is the sports entertainment, or not the sports entertainment, but like the sports atmosphere make. Wins and losses matter. That's what the fans came to AEW for. That's what they love. They're they're not really into the WWE style. That's not your niche. Tony Khan, stop with the sports entertainment bullshit. Give us the the pro wrestling stuff that you you began with, and the numbers will, um, will do better. You've also seen the crowds get much bigger um, over the last couple of months, I think the show and at you at the UCF arena that they were at um, held like 5,600 people at 5,600 tickets. Um, 
which a couple months ago we they were barely selling twenty three hundred tickets to some of the similar size arenas. So ticket sales are going up. Um, as you so know, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Um, <clears throat> so I enjoy the sports entertainment aspect of it when it's done right. And if you give me this rah rah BS stuff. I don't like it. If, if it's done well and done right, it, it, it has a place for every wrestling promotion. But AEW strong suit is that strong style faction sports themed stuff mixed in with a little bit of sports entertainment. And that's what gives it that good alternative for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, it, it, most of these matches have a storyline and some of them have a long oh, storyline. Keith Lee Swerve, Moxley Kingston, there's been a long build to some of these, and they're finally getting culminated um, and, and done very well. So I, I give kudos to that, and there are a lot of prefaces for these reasons, for these matches going on the card. And then just a quick thought before we get to the next match. Um, the number of AEW Dynamite crowds over the 4,000 people in the last 11 weeks, nine of them. Number of Dynamite crowds over 4,000 in the previous seven weeks, one, and that was Grand Slam. Take away Grand Slam, the seven weeks prior to that, no 4,000 people in the crowd. Over the last 11 weeks, there's been nine of 11, which is great. And the next couple of shows coming up in, um, I think, New Jersey, they're close to 4,000, if that, if not over. Uh, but the Savannah, Georgia one and the Charleston, South Carolina one, they're not doing the best as far as ticket sales. And I think that's why they're called being because they don't draw very well um, right. historically. But um, determines what we'll see. When you see they they started selling tickets to that Canadian tour next like spring next summer, and those those tickets have been going pretty pretty well. Uh, the last time they went to Canada, they didn't sell very good at all. Um, not and, not as well as they should have for sure. Right. So I think we're on the up and up with AEW if they continue to do the product the way that it needs to be. We got four more matches that we need to predict here and, and go over. Let's go to the, if there's one match that I don't understand why it's on the card, it's this one that we're going to talk about now. And that is the second eight man tag of the night. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting, Darby Allen fighting big bills, Ricky Starks, powerhouse Hobbs. And just today, I guess they replaced it with Kanosuke Takeshka because it was announced on Dynamite last night that it was Kyle Fletcher, um, making me think that I think Takeshka might take the pin on this one. Um, I, I, you wouldn't want your uh, uh, your big guy Kyle uh, Kyle Fletcher. He's the ROH something title now, taking him the pin. Um, I can't remember which title he won at Final Battle, but. Uh, Oh, the ROH TV title is what he what he won there. Um, this is just a weird combination of a bunch of everything. Um, the storyline obviously coming into this on Dynamite last night was Sammy Guevara came back. Uh, happy to hear that he's back on TV. His his newborn is healthy. Tay's doing well from what I can tell on social media, and he's back. And he tell he told Don Callis essentially. You, you didn't even call when I was away. You didn't check up on me. Um, and he, he made this painting. Sammy kind of went berserk on him for including his son in the painting. I don't know. It's just weird. And then Sammy Guevara turns on Don Callis, his family, to which he got his ass kicked. And then Chris Jericho comes to the rescue. 
I don't get this because you just had Sammy Guevara turn on Chris Jericho. And I get it. Chris Jericho's down a tag team partner because Kenny Omega's out with the di- diverticulitis. Good guy. Can they call it something easier? Um, I don't get it, though. Like, why do we have to have Le Sex Gods back again for the 8 millionth time? Doesn't make sense. And what doesn't make any more sense is that Sting and Darby Allen are on their side as well. That just can kind of popped out of nowhere. This seems like Vince Russo wrote this storyline and just throwing something at the wall here at the moment. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand it. They better have some big plan, some big storyline to come out of this match or else I feel like this is just a time filler on the card. If I had to pick somebody to win it, I, like I said, I think Takeshka takes the pin and it's probably Guevara pinning Takeshka and, and Guevara, Jericho, Sting, and Darby get the win. It's cool to see Sting and Darby fight leading into, I guess the next pay-per-view is going to be Revolution. They haven't announced another one. And we're a couple days from the paper, the next to World's End. Typically, they have the announcement of the next pay per view at least a couple days in advance or weeks in advance. So I'm assuming the next pay per view is Revolution, which is Sting's final match. I swear to the Lord, if, it, if Sting's final match has anything to do with this tag team match, I'm not going to be a big fan of it. But I do think that team gets the dub. And I agree with Jason where he says, this match feels silly. <laughs> Listen, um, if anybody should feel very, very trepid and 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 um, uptight about Sting's final match, me, Pally. Um, just kidding. You're entitled to your opinion as well. Um, I'm not trying to get myself involved into that yet. I think after the turn of the calendar of 2024, that's when uh, I think all my eyes and ears are going to be focused on Revolution and, and seeing what Sting's final match will be. Um, my preface for that would be obviously Jericho and Omega were supposed to fight Big Bill and Starks for the tag team titles. So now that Omega's out, now I feel like Tony Khan just had a rush around real quick and just put a match together that featured the tag team titles or featured the tag team of Starks and Big Bill and Jericho. There's history between Don Callis family and the former JAS. Uh, Sting and Darby are just there to, I think, sell more tickets. Um, this, clo- this show is close to selling out. I think this is just a good final push to try to get more people into a um, uh, come out and see the show and, and hopefully sell the rest of those tickets. Uh, into a 2023 video was not a um, not a good territory to be in, <laughs> but it kind of does ring true for sure. Um, He's yeah, absolutely this match right. Does, yeah, this match does, it, it, it's just put together obviously three days before the pay-per-view, and I think it's just more so to sell more tickets, some more buys. Not sure who really is going to be like, yep, this match is on the card. This is why I'm buying it. I guess people be like, oh, cool, Sting's going to be there or Jericho's going to be there. I'll buy a ticket to see them um, or Darby. But, uh, you know, I I can honestly see Kanosuke pinning Jericho or Guevara or Guevara turning on Jericho and going back to the Don Callis family. Um, no, it's following the big show timeline. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think Stinger Darby are going to turn on each other. Or if they do, that's going to set up the match for Revolution. We did file a trademark for Got the Feeling. Maybe that's the next pay-per-view in January. God, I hope not. That's a horrible name. But whatever. 
but I think there will be a pay-per-view in January and wait until March for, for revolution since it's early March. Um, but yeah, closer of a match thrown together at the last minute. Now big bill was seeing kind of tweak playing around a little bit. Hopefully that's a work and he's not actually injured. And if so, then I think Fletcher will take his place. But I honestly think that the team of Starks with Bill to and Hobbs wins. Sting may take the pin. Jericho may take the pin. Sammy may turn. But I think that, I don't know. I, I just feel that Don Callis group is going to get the win here. Uh, DJ Wavy D, to answer this question, why is Sammy a face again? Uh, I don't fucking know. It just kind of happened. Um, I think that he turns heel on Saturday and he falls <laughs> to it, it, it's all it's all a work, damn it. I don't understand it. I really don't. This match doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, it's the piss break. I guess they have to have a piss break match, and this will be the piss break match. See, I don't really call this a piss break match, because if it's Jericho and Sting way of doing this match, they're just going to be brawling all over the place and just make it a big, huge cluster of a match. Highly entertaining, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We, we told DJ WBD we'll get back to some the question he had on the women's division when we got to the Tony Storm versus Riho match. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's pull his question up real quick on here. That question was, where did it go? Where did it go? I know it's somewhere in here. There it is. What are your thoughts on the report saying Tony wants to get in on the women's free agency market? I'll let you go first, and then I'll share my opinion on that. I like it and hate it. Good. I'm glad that you're getting into the free agent market for the women's wrestlers. Mercedes, Mar- whomever. I, I, it doesn't matter who it could be. I, I'm glad that you're wanting to tap your toes more into the market of the women's roster. Awesome. How about you f- can do something about it and actually put these damn women on television for more than 15 minutes on a show? And maybe we'll talk about, yes, we definitely need that woman on this roster. Or, no, the roster's too stacked. We don't need that. Like, I don't think else in the male territory that we need to go after because the women's roster is, is, is convoluted. It's overpopulated. We don't need it. Women's roster, sure, you could add a couple more pieces to it, but Jesus, Lord, God Almighty, we need to put these damn people on television. Mm-hmm. 20 on Dynamite, 20 to 30 minutes on Collision, maybe even more because it is Collision. And then at least maybe 15 minutes on Rampage. Give the women time. Develop storylines. You have two championships. And then guess what? Not every match on the sh- on the show is a title match. Swerve and Keith Lee is not. Um, Andrade and Miro is not. You, you don't have to have a title for storylines. You just can build good storylines and build characters and build development. But you got to put the TV time for it. So you can have four different storylines going on between dynamite rampage and collision with women. If you give them the time. And I don't mean, Hey, here's a quick eight minute match with a commercial break in between. Then here's a two minute promo in the backstage area. That's going to say, no, we need more time promos, vignettes, backstage altercations, in ring stuff. Got to happen. You can build all the roster you want to, but you got to give the people time to actually showcase the roster for me to give a damn about it. Tony Storm has had a phenomenal run here lately, but she's the only character they've developed over the last five, six months in-depthly. Abaddon's had a good little run over the last month, and then here comes Japanese-Chinese lady that jumps around like a jumping bean for 15 minutes and then leaves, then comes back six months later, and then gets a title match for no fucking reason. I'm sorry. 
Riho is a fun little thing, but this woman does not deserve a world title match. I don't care if she's a former world champion. She hasn't been on TV in eight months. Why do I care? Why do I care that she's all of a sudden back, jumping around all over the place, wanting the world title when she hasn't proven me anything for a reason why she needs it? Rain over. Um, there you go. All right. Well, let me share my thoughts on... <laughs> let me share my thoughts on this real quick, and then we'll break down this match itself. I... I don't know. I'm kind of torn because I, I agree with you on one thing is if you're going to sign the big name women, the Mercedes Monet, I think Julia, I, I know as much as they said that AEW hasn't been talking to Julia. I think that's just a bunch of bullshit because if you're talking to Mariah May in stardom, I'm sure you're throwing feelers out about Julia in stardom as well. Um, Mercedes Monet, I think her, the rumors have it that she wants more than Charlotte Flair is, is getting paid and W for WWE. Um, and I don't know if WWE is going to want to give her that type of money at this point in time. Every, it seems like everybody's thinking that she's going, she's a hundred percent confirmed, but here's the problem outside of Mercedes Monet, outside of Julie, outside of maybe Deanna Perrazzo. And like we said, I said last week, I think they're going to go after uh, Aaliyah um as well who else in the women's free agent pool are we going to be able to sign that doesn't sink to the bottom like taya valkyrie did where's the last time you seen taya valkyrie she's on roh she's on roh layla hirsch is back when's the last time we've seen layla hirsch on an aew show we have it she's on roh um, and so maybe maybe this is just his plan to build ROH, especially with him building the new ROH women's TV title. Maybe so, but you can't be giving out these big contracts just for mid-card titles and not it, not making fans invest it. You're not going to keep them long term if that's the case. Um, and then you gotta you gotta consider Britt is coming back at some point. Um, Jamie Hayter is almost fully recovered from what I understand. Um, and then, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep the people like Tony Storm and Mariah May and, and Julia Hart and Chris Statlander and, and all of your current people on your roster, you know, you gotta keep them in the fold as well. And and I agree with you. I think on, um, collision last week, they had two women segments for a total of eight minutes on a two hour show. Absolutely ridiculous. You can't be adding more women to the mix if you're only giving them eight minutes on a two-hour show. So I agree with you on that con- on that concept. I hope he gets Mercedes Monet. It'll be big money. It'll sell a lot of tickets. But is he going to use them correctly? Is it worth the investment? Um, Tony has a lot of, and I agree with what Wavy D says here. He wants new toys but doesn't use the toys he have. It's just like when you have a child, you know how it is. They want a toy for Christmas. And then six months later, they don't even care that the toy is even there anymore. And so I, I hope he goes, he doesn't just window shop and have, hey, I have a million dollars sitting here that I can just throw at this, you know, free agent and then not have any plans to work them in the fold. But let's talk about this match overall. The storyline for this match, I think has been built somewhat decently. I agree with you. I don't think Riho should be the one to... Um, have this title opportunity, but 
in the context of the storyline, it makes a little bit of sense. It was the outcast that defeated her, that took her out of action, that beat her up and, and sent her back to Japan for a while. And she came back. She beat up Ruby Soho. She beat Soraya last week. Now to, to get this number one contendership. And I swear to God, if she wins this match, I think the world's going to explode. Um, Not for a good reason. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I enjoy Riho's style. Um, but I agree with you. She, I, I the, the My biggest problem with a lot of the women's division is we saw when Chris Statlander came back from her injury and instantly beat Jade Cargill for the TBS title that kind of seemed kind of rushed and obviously for good reason because Jade was leaving it and, and they had to find someone to take the, take the title off of her. Um, I think they kind of rushed that storyline there, but this just seems kind of forced. You have several other women that you could have put in this spot. Um, I think the biggest person that you could have put there was someone like Willow Nightingale, who is just the baby face personified that could play in this story. And I know Riho's kind of a baby face, but does she even have a gimmick at this point? Like she's just, Hey, I'm back and I'm here for my title. I agree with you on that, that point. Uh, I think Tony storm ultimately wins this match. Um, but I think it'll be a fun match to watch. Which I think we'll return at the end of this, whether it's Brit, whether it's Jamie hater, I think we get a, uh, a return here that sets up uh story like, if it's a January pay-per-view or um, hopefully Revolution and get some build to this thing. But uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully there is. I just, I'm not interested in this match whatsoever because I, I don't know. I just, I love Tony. love the character she's done. She was good for being a woman champion. But at the time, this match itself is not drawing my interest at all. All righty. We're down to the final two matches. And I, I think these are probably going to be my, and before the match, before the card, I always have matches that I feel like are match of the night cont- contenders. And I think these two are going to be probably my two contenders for match of the night before the before the action. And we'll go with the TNT championship match between Christian Cage and Adam Copeland in a no disqualification match. Boy, oh boy. And I don't know if we lost him completely or if he is just without a camera for a minute. Um, I'll I'll keep spouting at the mouth. There he is. We lost him. Let's get him back in here. There you are, my friend. We lost you for a minute. Um, <laughs> we ha- I hadn't said a whole bunch of anything here. No DQ match. TNT title. Christian Cage and Adam Copeland. This is going to be a fun match. I, I, Christian Cage and Adam Copeland at the age of God knows whatever, 40-something, 50-something, they, they're putting on a really good ending of their career. Christian Cage, his just gimmick is just just take my money and run with it. Um, Adam Copeland is – I think he's having a lot of fun outside of the WWE – um, and he's getting to fight his best friend. And I kind of preluded to who I think wins this match when we talked about the Battle Royal. I think Adam Copeland wins this match. 
And um, I don't know. I just have that gut feeling. But this is going to be just a – one, it's going to be a bloodbath, I think. Um, and two, it's just going to – it's going to have a lot of twists and turns. I think obviously we're going to see Nick Wayne and Shana Wayne and maybe Killswitch and maybe even Jack Perry get involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, it's going to be fun. Like I said, I don't know if you heard this or if you were kicked out at this point, but I think I always give a couple matches um, my, my contenders for match of the night before the action. This is one of them, the main event that we're going to talk about next. Um is the other one that I'm going to put in that category. This is going to be a fun match. What say you, my friend? This is going to be a match of the night. Uh, these two guys are hell of a performers. They're both sports entertainers, professional. Uh, they've been in the Fed for, for a long time. They know how to tell stories. They know how to um, take a crowd on a roller coaster ride. Um, first of all, I want to send thoughts and prayers to, to DJ WVD. Uh, just put in the comment that he was one Jason Tatum and two Peyton Pritchard three three points away, three pointers from winning seventeen hundred dollars, and he missed out on that. Uh, so uh, thoughts and prayers out to you, buddy, because um, that sucks. Um, <laughs> if you're a Detroit Pistons, I um, I feel for you. I will say that right now. Uh, Twenty-eight game losing streak, longest in the NBA history. That sucks. Um, I thought it was bad being a Commanders fan. <clears throat> so, anyways. Um, this is going to be matching tonight for sure. I think that you're going to see blood. You're going to see a bunch of false finishes. You're going to see guys that know how to take a crowd on a roll on a roller coaster ride. My only problem with that is that they had this freaking match four weeks ago on free television. And that's what I hate is when we get matches on free television that you eventually put on the pay-per-view. Don't give me a preview. Don't do it. Hold on to it. I don't care if you're trying to sell tickets. I don't care if you're trying to draw a rating. Sell me on the pay-per-view. You're going to get more revenue out of a pay-per-view than you are a free television. I don't care what the gate is. You can draw a $1 million gate, but guess what? If you $200,000, pay-per-views, do the quick math on, you know, um, minus just the revenue um, from the ticket sales and the merchandise sales, um, you know, $10 million on just pay-per-view buys versus a $1 million game. Come on now. Anyways, um, very much looking forward to this match. I think it's going to be I have actually Christian winning this. This is a preface for my Battle Royal winner for the TNT title that I think either Killswitch wins it or Jack Perry. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe one of them interfere in this to kind of hold, um, maybe not help Christian win it, but I think in there's, there's there's good ways you can draw the storylines for both does win this with the battle royal winner, um, but I'm looking forward to this match. I got Christian winning it um, somehow, some way, something happens to where Christian retains it and uh, continues on with the patriarchy and him being the TNT champion. And we are at our main event of the evening. My friends, this is going to be a it's little time. Oh, it's Mark Henry Go for ahead. the main event. <laughs> I wish I would continue doing that. I think they stopped that. Mark Henry is too busy I I talking with Bully Ray on his Sirius XM show uh, to be doing any work here. But the main event of the night: MJF versus Samoa Joe. And boy, what a swerve we got last night! 
on AEW Dynamite. ROH title match. One, started at 10 o'clock. Um, Tony Khan's gotten like four straight weeks of getting going over the 10 o'clock hour. So anybody that thinks that AEW's leaving Warner Bros, no company gives a show that's on their way out. Four straight weeks of overruns. Um, I think they have a deal already made, but that's just my opinion. And but back to the back to the the storyline here. ROH title match on the line against the two masked men from nowhere, and MJF and Samoa Joe are supposed to tag team. MJF shows up. Samoa Joe is shown clutching his knee as if he had just been attacked. MJF says, "I'm going to do this even if I have to fight a handicap match." And MJF loses the ROH tag title to the henchman from The Devil. And then Samoa Joe comes out. And just like Seth Rollins did to Roman Reigns, puts that steel chair straight to the back of, of MJF and beat him to a pulp. MJF is not 100% leading into this match at Worlds. And then this leads me to one question before we talk about winner, loser, match of the night, whatnot. Is this a sign that MJF hasn't re-signed with AEW? Or is this just storyline and we'll see the conclusion that MJF walks out of here holding the title strong, leaving Nassau Coliseum? So you were leading into what I'm talking about, which is that reading period. The telltale sign, if MJF has written, is if he wins this match. And I said, it wasn't on the podcast, I don't think, but it was just in a group chat, that I think that if MJF loses the world title and it's not resigned, it's this show right here. Yeah, it's in his hometown of Long Island. But it's the last few before he leaves. Conveniently enough, AEW every month pay-per-views, and they just happen to put one at the very end of the year, very end of the month, and it leads to, wow, we're pretty close to him, either the contract coming up or him resigning, and you think he would have lost the world title by now? This, this sets a very big precedent because there's been no announcement if he's resigned or if the bidding war for 2024 is still ongoing, or potentially he's made his deal with somebody else. I think after Saturday night, we'll find out. If he retains the world title, I think he's staying. If he doesn't, I think we might be looking at another participant on on the Fed. Um, but another question that I have is, so after this all happened, this was Joe in cahoots with the devil, Massman, whatever. Um, on the screen it said, Pleasure doing business with you. And Joe attacked MJF. So Joe associated and went to and talked to, made a deal with the devil. Is Samoa Joe either A, the devil? And if not, who did he talk to? So he had some sort of communication with this devil who, I mean, I guess we have heard them talk, but how did they know where they were at? How did they find him? Or how did they find? How did he find them? How did they talk to them? Did he have the mass people go to them? And he came back. A little more questions on that part. So Tony Khan answered part one of your question on the media call today, where he said Samoa Joe is not the devil. 
He is just in cahoots with the devil. And I think I can lead my thought process to answer partially part two for you. Why was Adam Cole so adamant to have MJF partner with Samoa Joe? For the last month, we haven't heard, seen. Adam Cole hasn't been on AEW television. But for the month prior, as he was recovering for his injury, they were showing him talking to Max, talking to Roddy via, you would assume, I guess, FaceTime or Zoom through the the phone or the um we haven't heard from him in a couple couple weeks. Is Adam called the devil? Is he in cahoots with Samoa Joe? Was this a plan from the beginning? And then we go back to when Joe choked out Adam Cole a month or so ago, two months ago maybe at this point. It's been the story's been going on for quite a while. Um, Joe said, "I'm going to take everything from you, Max." everything so is he working with adam cole is this just this big three-month plan for adam cole to to bait mjs mjf into trusting him to take that world title off of him i don't know like i said this leaves me with a lot of like you said it leaves me with a lot of questions i don't think we have everything answered i think we need tony Khan also said at the media call that this storyline with the devil should be wrapping up soon. And he kind of made the hint that we will know the whole story on Saturday. So I don't know what that means, but when we're talking winners or losers here, I'm going to go on a line and I've been an MJF has signed with AEW guy for quite a while. But I think Samoa Joe wins this match. Not not simply because I think MJF hasn't signed. I still think he has signed. But let's play into the anticipation that he hasn't. Like you said, it hasn't been announced anywhere. Sean Ross Sapp has been on it the last couple of days. He announced that Sean Spears has left AEW before Sean Spears confirmed it. He He's announced a lot of new signings. His team at Fightful has been really good at that. There's no word on if MJF has signed with AEW, if he's in talks with anybody else. So I think the if, only thing I've heard is that, and pure rumor and speculation and innuendo, is that there have been officials on the WWE side that feel MJF is leaning towards going back to AEW but that's as far as we've, and it's all speculation, right. reports, rumors, and all that stuff. And so I, I think Tony Khan, when he wants to keep a secret, he is damn, damn good at not, it. He's not, damn going good to, at it. he's not going to let it get out to the dirt sheets. He only lets out to the dirt sheets what he wants out. I think MJF has signed a deal. And, and my reasoning for that, I've made explicit over the show of the last couple of weeks is he's just the company guy, but let's, let's build into this anticipation that MJF hasn't resigned. You 
Samoa Joe wins. You you show that Adam Cole is the devil. The people behind the mask can be Roddy or Taven or or, or whoever you want these masked men to be. The Stooges, Roddy, Kyle O'Reilly, Taven, whoever you want it to be. Bobby Fish, you can build the Undisputed Era as, again if you want. It doesn't really matter who those people are. The big story at hand is, is MJF leaving? If we can get people, especially in his hometown of Long Island, to have that gut punch feeling that this might be the last time we see MJF in an AEW sanctioned event, that gets people that want to tune in next Wednesday. I think that should be the way that they look at this going forward. And for the months leading forward, um, allow MJF to heal that shoulder up that he legitimately injured. Um, and if there's a pay-per-view in January, there might be. I'm not sure. They haven't announced it. Maybe that's a special announcement that they'll announce on Saturday. Have them maybe not show up there, but don't make anything official. And then let's wait till like revolution. And then he comes back at that point to exact his revenge if he has already signed. If not, then we might see MJF in WWE as early as whenever, you know, the next couple of weeks, or he's showing up at the Royal Rumble at the end of the month. Um, my gut feeling is that Samoa Joe wins, but I feel like it's only in storyline purposes to to build off that anticipation that MJF has or hasn't signed. Because um, he's flirted around with the idea. He's kept kayfabe as good as he could um, that the, the bidding war of 2024 is still a thing. Let's, let's use that to AEW's advantage. And, and you don't, you don't have Samoa Joe drop the ROH TV title if he and just leave with nothing. I think if this is a good chance to give Samoa Joe the world title, um, even if it's just a short run, um, it'll be a it'll be a good thing for Samoa Joe long term. And if if Max has signed with AEW when he returns, he's super babyface status, and the crowd is popping when he makes that return. Very valid reverted down points. Um, weeks are going to be interesting for the next couple of days. Leading ten is going to be very interesting. Um, by the way, is collision going to be tomorrow night? I haven't heard a special announcement for for the for collision being on Friday. I could have sworn they said on Dynamite that Rampage was on Friday. So no but collision. I didn't. I don't. I don't know about collision. Um, maybe they realized that the last time they tried to double up a rampage collision and go head to head with SmackDown that it didn't work, so they just decided not to do it. Um, I don't know. I just haven't saying, heard. That just popped in my head. Um, yeah, a lot of things going into this show. Not a bad thing. Makes you want to tune in to see what in the hell is going to happen. This is the perfect time to unveil everything. If MJF has resigned, and like I said, if he is in his world title, there's your there's your telltale sign. Good time for the devil to show up. If MJF wins, the devil comes out in his hometown. Instant heat. If he loses, instant heat. Um, 
just a lot of things in this pay-per-view name is is very not the best name in the world, but it, it's it's lining up to be a very interesting way to 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 create this. It's the world's end. Is it the end of MJF's world title reign? End of MJF's world as we know it when it comes to his best friend turning on him, Adam Cole, and becoming the devil. Very, very interesting way, and I think a lot of things will be answered on Saturday night. I am going with MJF retains the world title, and I think it'll be a very good match, and I think that it's just going to be a lot of hype and, and speculation is going to be built on right here. And it's going to be interesting yeah, from, from beginning to end. And we're going to, I, I truly believe we'll find out the devil and at least either the, the who is it, or we may even get some of the members unveiled on Saturday. Um, but I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining show. It's going to be a very entertaining end of the show. And it's going to be a very, hopefully good way for AEW to end 2023 going 2024 hopefully with a, uh, a really good show and really good momentum going their way and uh, just an up and up build as we go towards um, revolution in March potential pay-per-view in January but just in general direction for AEW going forward 2024 Saturday night's a very pivotal big show for them and um, anxious to see what happens for sure but I think MJF does win on Saturday night and the world title Well, that is our show previewing AEW World's End. We're getting close to 2024, and I know we we keep saying this every year, but this might be the best. 2024 might be the best year for AEW if they book it right. 2023, there was kind of some ups and downs, some peaks and valleys at certain points in time. I think uh, a lot of them. There's there's a lot of of things that I think Tony Khan could have done a whole lot better in 2023 that hopefully he's learned from and can can make right in 2024. Um, But let's set the tone for 2024 on Saturday night with with a good pay per view. Tony Khan always puts on really good pay per views, regardless of there's there's been a couple shows. Dynamite's collisions. Um, if I ever get around to watching a rampage, I, I, it's very hard to, to tune in that late. Um, that you're just you kind of sitting the there. Day. Yeah, you're you're always sitting there like, what's the purpose of this? And I hope we get to see a culmination of a lot of stories ending, and we start the new year with some new stories beginning. Um, and the 2024 for us as a podcast is going to be fun. Um, stay tuned for the expansive stuff that we we, we want to eventually put out. Um, beginning next week, I think I think we want to kind of go down the hole of let's talk about some big things that has happened in wrestling past and good things. I think next week. Got to be the fallout from World's End and talk about that, talk about my Definitely in between that, um, not to cut you off, but I think that yeah. getting into some of those topics will be really, be really, really good to do and do some good research on them and just kind of give our thoughts mm-hmm. and, and opinions on those and maybe do kind of what We Too Deep has done on his podcast and, and do like a, just a show revolving questions that are in the Discord and in the, in the chat just to just an item of questions and, and 
give our thoughts and topics and opinions on them. Um, I was going to say that it'd be cool if we did like a live reaction on end. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but that would be kind of cool. Um, if not, I'm sure you'll, we'll be live tweeting it, but I think that'd be cool if we did some sort of live reaction to the show. Uh, be a long show, but I think it'd be fun if we did something like that. But I'm so budging, looking forward to March 3rd, 2024, Greensboro, North Carolina, Revolution. We will be there. Um, we'll, we'll be able to do some sort of cool content where we either cap, recap, you know, a vlog of some sort, um, pictures, things like that. Maybe we'll put that here on the podcast as we get closer to that. But I, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to what the future holds in 2024. Um, you, you can't forget next Saturday, my friend. Next Saturday, December, not December, January the 6th. The Bojangles Coliseum finally AEW comes back to Charlotte. Get your tickets now at AEWTickets.com. I'll pull my best Excalibur. Um, <laughs> let's go. As you kids say, yes, sir, Jason. He'll be there <laughs> with us. So, yeah, we're going to click Saturday in Charlotte. Um, maybe we can do some content there, whether it's just some pictures, maybe some uh, video, things like that. But um, that'll be fun. That'll be cool. Really, that. Really good- revolution. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. It's a good time to be an AEW fan. It's a good time to be a WWE fan, though I'm not really one. But they've 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 uh they've had some good strides themselves here lately. Though I think the show's boring, but you know. <laughs> uh, but, but anyways, <laughs> we're gonna. This has been a pretty long episode. We I tend to want to keep these under an hour and a half, but. We've hit right there. So, uh, again, junkyardmediagroup.com. And we will see you guys next week with the fallout of World's End and what we come to expect in 2024. It'll be fun.